Every Sunday night, he would buy a nice bottle of red wine and some cheese, and we'd sit together and watch an hour to an hour and a half of either TED Talks or something on YouTube but about cryptocurrencies. Hello and welcome to the Crypto Standard Podcast with me, Jordan. And me, Jim. Where we take the cryptic out of crypto. We're not financial advisors, but we just love the world of crypto and want to make it simple for you to understand. Today's show is sponsored by Zumo, the crypto wallet making it easier than ever to buy, own and sell crypto. Zumo, smart money for everyone. And of course, our brilliant media company, Gokstein Media, making all of this possible. Today is an awesome episode. We have Kerry and Chris on, who are a couple that have dived headfirst into cryptocurrency. Chris explains the ingenious methods he took to get Kerry involved. And in some parts, it does get a little bit technical. But don't worry, we do bring it back and simplify it later on. We hope you enjoy. Hi, everyone. And here we are with Chris and Kerry. And we're calling them the crypto and wine couple. And that'll all become apparent as the interview goes on. How are you guys? Yeah, good. Yeah, good, thank you. Where are you tonight? Just sitting in the living room in the house. In not-so-sunny Edinburgh. Yeah, not-so-sunny Edinburgh. Quite cold as well, actually. But you had a nice weekend. Well, did I? Do you know, I can't remember. (laughs) Yeah, we did. We we managed to socialise and meet some lovely friends for a while. Oh, yes, we did. We did, yeah, yeah. Okay, so tell us a bit about yourselves. Uh, Okay, so funnily enough, my name's Chris. I am in my... 40s, we'll say early 30s, wish I wasn't. I guess probably what's important for this is that my background is kind of in mathematics. I get quite a kick at mathematics, which I think goes into where we're, what we're going to talk about quite well. I've sort of gone through uni, got an honours degree in maths, got a master's degree in statistics, and then I went into work basically around, well, I left it late, I think I was about nearly 26 or so before I started working. And I was in basically statistics roles in the pharma industry, and then I went into banking. Funnily enough, right after 2008, I figured, these guys need me. So I, yeah, I went into modest. banking. I won't, I won't share any of the companies and things, because there might be some stories, I guess, that come up, and I just don't want to share names and whatnot, but yeah, so I was in banking doing credit risk, building statistical models for who you should and shouldn't give credit to and, and things like that. And now I work for another company that's not in banking, but we still deal with the banks. And I, I kind of teach people to do what I do. And so teach people how to code, how to perform sort of stats analysis and things. So yeah, that's kind of my background. And I guess over the last two years of kind of been getting into this crypto malarkey. I guess, Chris, if I had been at school with you, I don't think I would have liked you. We would have been in the same maths class in fourth year and I would have been sitting sweating over a quadratic equation and, and not knowing how to, to make X, Y and, and all that work out. And you'd be you'd have yours done and you'd be just gibbering away. Probably true, yes. It really is. I think now, when I look back at maths, I think, what was the point? Of what was the point of maths? What did I really learn? But where we're going now in terms of cryptocurrency, we will come to that is it's just maths-based, isn't it? It's really coming yeah. age. Yeah, it is maths-based, credit risk-based as well. Kerry, how did you meet this mathematical genius? <laughs> we actually met at work. After I did a degree in pharmacology, so I was just studying how drugs work, and then moved into clinical research as my first job after university. And I met Chris in clinical research. So he, well, he left to go into the banking sector 
I have stayed in clinical research and I've been doing similar role for 18 years now. Um, 13 years I was an employee at various companies and the last five years I've been self-employed. So I'm obviously very interested in research and things progressing and science and yeah, new discoveries. That really interests me. And in terms of your what you do for fun, is it walking, is it climbing? Not so much climbing because my feet are fine. <laughs> But I like hill hill walking because I'm grounded. I like I love my fitness. Walking the dog, like walking the dog on the beach is a happy place. And then anything involving food and wine um, makes me very happy as well. So, <laughs> and ideally with my friends and family. But obviously difficult just now. But in normal times, that would be that would make me very happy. And what's Chris's nickname? Chef or Chefy. Yeah, Chefy. <laughs> Because, yeah, we're, we're quite known as loving our food. So hopefully yeah. hopefully a dinner hours is a good experience. Yeah, I quite like cooking. He's a, he makes really good um, curries. He's kind of the king of curries. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was like maybe you guys' second name or something. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, who was it? it was a friend called Chris gave me that name, basically because I, I made a few good meals and he just started calling me chef. Nice. And then Sheffy just came into play as well. I'm not sure where Sheffy came around. And I think also because um, our, quite a few of our friends at the time had flats, whereas we'd managed to get this house with a little garden. So in the summer, we'd have barbecues. So he became barbecue yeah. chef as well. And ah. the minute the sun was shining, we were getting text messages saying, barbecue, barbecue. So we often <laughs> had impromptu barbecues, which also became bigger parties sometimes. Those- so, and that also, yeah, added to the, the chef name. Yeah, those texts have actually just started coming through again. Uh-oh. <laughs> right, let's go a bit more into cryptocurrency and how did how did you guys get involved in it? Well, I guess it was me that got involved in it first. And um, it actually goes back to this guy's pool that I was sitting in in Spain, this uh, rather dashing guy called Jim. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we were sitting, we'd gone over to visit Jim and uh, Lucy Rose, and we were basically sitting at a pool and I was waxing lyrical about hydrogen investments and things. That's another thing that gets my interest. And then I got introduced to Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and I had no idea what they were. I'd heard of Bitcoin, but I didn't have any idea what it was. I just kept thinking, scam, scam, scam. But then I'm sitting there dabbling my feet, drinking this guy's beer, <laughs> thinking, well, he's got something right. So maybe I should look at this. <laughs> so uh I went down the rabbit hole. Basically, Jim said fintech. That's what it is, fintech, financial technology. And it just sort of sparked something. I thought, right, I'll go and, I'll go and check this out. And I got home and, oh, I don't know if Jim knows this, but I went down the rabbit hole for about three months, something like that. Started off reading the white paper on Bitcoin and it was it was like a light bulb moment. You know, you, you sit there and you just think, oh, my God, if this, if people realise this, once people realise what this is, this will take off. It's just a way of getting rid of middlemen, I guess. And then you just, I know because of my background, I know that money just comes down to faith. If you believe that it's money, then it's money. And so as soon as people believe that Bitcoin is money, that's it, it's money. And the more people that believe it, the more it will grow in value. Things can come along and speed that up and whatnot. But that was kind of my realization at that point. And then I just thought, wow, what other currencies are out there? Because, I mean, quick Google, you can find out there's thousands of them. 
and you think most of these have got to be junk. So I then just went around, you know, investigating more and more by reading white papers. I must have read about 35 white papers or so. So for the audience, the white paper is really just when it's like a business plan, isn't it? So when someone creates a coin or a project project to say, here's how it's going to operate, here's how we're going to use it. They, they literally spell out how it is built, how it works, what it's about, why they've done it, what sort of problem it's solving. And then it's up to you to just read that and say, do I believe in that or, or don't I? I believe massively in the Bitcoin protocol and I kind of... I just wish you told me about it earlier. Did you not told me about it back in 2012 or something? <laughs> totally all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. but, but it was a realisation moment. But the thing about it is it just does one thing, transfers value in a trustless manner, permissionless as well. I then started thinking, well, what's Ethereum? And I have to be honest, I don't really like Ethereum. I like the concept, but I don't like it. And then I, I went into more and the one that stood out for me is Cardano. You know, for openness, I, I am invested in two cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin and Cardano. So I guess that's how I came around it. So, so Kerry, when, when Chris went down the rabbit hole and, and started really studying cryptocurrency and Bitcoin, etc., did you get pulled into conversations about it on the walks or how did that work? <laughs> yeah, I imagine they're probably very similar to you and LR's conversations on the dog walk. So obviously when we walk the dog, Chris... <clears throat> would like to share what he'd been reading. And Chris is, um, he's very detail oriented and he takes a lot of time to read something. So if Chris and I were to read the same piece of text, I would skim it and I would probably retain a few key bits of information. But he reads things really in great depth, takes what I consider to be quite a long time to read, but then he retains it all. So when he then talks about it, he can talk about it in huge detail, whereas I don't retain as much information. Um, I've kind of a very top level view. But yeah, he would always like to talk about what he'd been reading. And I'll say at first, I knew what Bitcoin was, but only in the most kind of generic way. And similar to what Chris said, I kind of always thought of it as some kind of scam. I didn't really know how it worked or indeed how any cryptocurrency worked. But then that's where I think Chris really wanted to educate me about. <laughs> but he knew that me reading all these white papers was probably not the way to go about it. So you, you went down the rabbit hole on Bitcoin and I remember, Chris, it was March 2020, around about then, and the global pandemic had really hit the markets and they were crashing. And I think I got a text from you and you said, look look at this coin, it's called Cardano and it's at three cents. You said, this is the one, this is the world beater. What, what did you mean by that? So part of going down that rabbit hole of trying to investigate, you know, what other currencies there are and what they're about, I came across the Cardano white paper. I mean, I, I was just reading white papers at this point and all of them I was kind of thinking, oh, I can see some benefit in it, I can see something, but how do you know they're going to pull it off? And then I came across Cardano and if you understand my background of mathematics, coding, statistics, all that sort of thing, Cardano just hit a nerve. So I was reading the white paper and the, the biggest thing about it is the fact that it's peer-reviewed, researched, and then systematically built from scratch, from first principles. Now, I'd be lying if I said I knew everything about this, but the fact that I've worked in an industry where I've seen easy mistakes or slight things that you overlook create catastrophic events at the back end, Cardano just stood out and said, that's the one that will make it. 
And then I started, at that point, I still didn't really know what it was, what they intended to do. So I started looking up video. There's this great thing on the internet called YouTube, if anyone's ever heard of it. And basically everything's free. So I started looking up, you know, videos on Cardano and I came across Charles Hoskinson's TED Talk from about five or six years ago now. And I watched it and just thought, yeah, this guy has got a dream. He was a co-founder in Ethereum, which I don't like. He left it as well, actually. Can I stop you there, Chris? It's no, interesting yeah, that you've said you've said a couple of times that you don't like Ethereum, and is that yeah. because it it was you feel that was built along the the lean startup model of put something out there, test it, you get some feedback, iterate, redo it, that kind of model, as opposed to what you talked about peer reviewed, which is really scientific and and challenged by top brains. That's exactly it. So if you look at Ethereum. Now, I don't want to say anything bad because these people are hugely smart people. They're some of the smartest people in the world that are building this thing. But you do think, I thought to myself, they rushed it. And I read up about this um, this hack, this DAO hack that happened where some smart contract managed to get through that then emptied the treasury. And they basically rolled it back and made the current Ethereum that you now have. And Ethereum Classic is the old one where the hack's still in play. Do you really want to be holding a coin on a platform that can just roll a transaction back? For that, I just think no chance. And I think the reason that they ended up in that position is probably because they've rushed it. Now, it's not to say that they knew that they were rushing it or they openly intended to get in a position like that. But to me, I just think that hack is proof that I can't take that. You know, I, I can't put my money in it. So I, I don't really like it. And it probably does come down to what you're saying. Yes, they've rushed it to try and get out there and be first on market. And it has paid off for them. They're the second biggest cryptocurrency in the world. Whereas that whole issue is addressed right at the start with Cardano in terms of it's widely known to be a third generation crypto where they are trying to systematically build it, but allow the code to be law. So if something like that happens, then it stands. So if you manage to beat it, then fair play to you. So this episode is going to be called Crypto and Wine. So you tell us a little bit more about what is that? Well, I'll, yeah, I'll yeah, take I think maybe on our dog walks, Chris was realising that I maybe wasn't taking in um, everything that he was sharing with me. And I probably wasn't sharing his enthusiasm for cryptocurrencies either. And because he was so enthusiastic, he I think he wanted almost like a second opinion on the cryptocurrencies and should he invest. And because we were obviously in this pandemic, not able to see anyone or do anything, I was the second opinion. So he very cleverly thought the best way was to bribe me with wine and cheese. So on a Sunday <laughs> night, the deal was every Sunday night, he would buy a nice bottle of red wine and some cheese and we'd sit together and watch an hour to an hour and a half of either TED Talks or something on YouTube but about cryptocurrencies. But we started from well, almost from the beginning, if you like, when we sort of looked at how an economy works. Because I guess even that most basic knowledge, I have to say I was probably slightly naive about how it all worked. So we started from the very beginning with looking at the economy and then he introduced the ideas of the cryptocurrencies and you know, <clears throat> what they were and then went into more detail about Bitcoin. And we saw a couple of um, people that he follows regularly, saw them doing different chats and their thoughts. And that's, and that's what we did for well, quite a few months, actually. I'm not sure how long it actually... Uh, went on well I, I set up like I say YouTube I set up a playlist on YouTube of 
in order of what we should watch. And there was 29 videos on it. So I reckon it was about three months, roughly. So, wow. Yeah. And I just figured that's the best way to, you know, to, to let her learn on her own. And Kerry's right. It was a validation. I really wanted Kerry to tell me whether she thought I was right and we should make some sort of move into this. In terms of Chris's capacity and propensity for understanding maths and and therefore that's why he really picked up in cryptocurrency and especially cardano could you see how enthusiastic he was about that and, and just felt you had to get involved kerry oh yeah definitely he he was so enthusiastic and he also well, i guess it reflects the role he has now i always think he's a very good teacher Obviously, when i worked in clinical research and some of the information we work with quite complicated stats and he can explain it in a way I think anyone can understand. And he's incredibly patient. I think if roles were reversed, I'm not sure it would be <laughs> the same story. But yeah, he was so passionate. And I thought, I have to, you know, I have to give this my full attention. You know, I had, my phone was taken off me, so there was no way of <laughs> surfing or replying to WhatsApps. So that gave it my full attention. But he was right, though, because when I started listening and then we had both the conversations during or after, um, I started to see why he was so enthusiastic. And I think as well, given the current climate and the way global economies and our own economy here is going, it was quite fortuitous timing, really, to be learning about it all then. Next up, we chat to Kerry and Chris more about where they see cryptocurrency going in the future, the best ways to buy it, and how far along is the cryptocurrency adoption. But first, a little word from our amazing show sponsors, Zumo. How cool would it be if you could have an app on your phone to buy, sell, send, and store your cryptocurrency? Zumo have made exactly that. Now, I've been using the app for a couple of months now, and I love it. It's just so easy to navigate. But what I'm really excited about is their debit card getting released soon. They're one of the first companies to offer this. For me personally, having more money in cryptocurrency than I do in pounds, being able to go down to my local food shop and spend my cryptocurrency just exactly the same way I would with my Bank of Scotland card is a huge advantage. Now all you have to do is simply head over to your phone's app store, download Zumo and follow the simple steps to setting up an account. It could not be easier. Okay, let's get back to the show. So I think um, you're the archetypal couple that have gone down the rabbit hole. You've shared the whole cryptocurrency, blockchain discussion. You've watched the videos and now you've invested in it. And you just call yourself an ordinary couple. So now, having done all that, where do you see cryptocurrency going in the next five to ten years? I think it's becoming a bit more mainstream in terms of knowledge and exposure. For example, my parents who are, you know, in their 70s, you know, my dad's more aware of it now. And I think he also thought at the time it was a scam. But now that some of the broadsheets and the, the press are running articles, but in a more favourable light, I think more people are becoming more exposed to it and more knowledgeable. So I think although maybe that generation are not going to invest in it, I think they'll be aware of it. I think for younger generations, I think it'll probably become 
the way forward for them because they want to do everything electronically. They probably even now don't really get why we have cash because they pay for things on their phone or their watch. You know, they, they that, you know we think we're doing well with our cards, tap and go, but they're using, you know, the technology where just everything is done on your phone or on your person. So I think it will be more heavily adopted. Um, Chris probably knows more. He'll, he'll talk more, but that's kind of how I no. see it going. The fact that everything's done electronically. I think you're right. I just want to point out that I am also young enough that I can pay for Sorry. things using my phone. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think Kerry's absolutely right. The youths coming through don't see the point in cash. Like, really, what is the point? And I think they also have grown up through the last sort of 10 years or seeing, you know, the, the 2008 crisis. And they just, they've grown up listening to their parents saying, don't trust the banks, don't trust the banks, don't trust the banks. And, you know, it's been ingrained into their heads. And I think that over time, they will just, in fact, I'm saying over time, they've got bank accounts and things. But I think if there's a solution out there that lets them get off of those bank accounts, I think they'll take it. I think if they educate themselves, and apparently there's evidence out there, not that I know about it, but there's evidence out there that says they are more financially literate, because let's face it, we've got the internet now, everybody can just learn for free, then they will realise over time that governments effectively are seen as Ponzi schemes through bond markets and whatnot, and they will move to cryptocurrencies to just try and get away from it. And the more and more that that happens... You know, all that money that's sitting with the older generation that, let's face it, nobody lives forever. So sadly, that money passes down. That just gets moved over into to crypto. So, yeah, I think I think they will move to it. I think it just gets enormous from here. I think it gets absolutely enormous. And I think something that will fast forward it is this pandemic. You know, you've seen it go absolutely just rocket since March last year. And it's rocketing because everybody is looking at the current reserve currency in America and thinking, how are they going to pay us back? If they continue to print money and devalue their currency, then how are we going to protect ourselves? And let's face it, Bitcoin is the only asset in the world that is absolutely finite in supply. And I think that's what you're seeing is people waking up to it. So I see it just getting bigger and bigger. And I think that as more and more people get comfortable with Bitcoin, they will move down into other assets as well, into other cryptocurrencies. I also think that with the birth of the internet, you've seen almost like a crowdfunding sort of side come out. So people actually care. And so when I read Cardano and I watched that TED talk, I actually cared. I thought this is absolutely ridiculous that there's people in third world countries who are, you know, having to leave home go and work in other places in the world so they can make enough money to send home and let their family live. But then the banks take up to 40% of that cash. And here's a guy standing here on the stage saying, this is wrong. And these people will never prosper until those transactions are pennies. Who in their right mind doesn't adopt a solution that gives them those transactions for pennies? That alone, I think, transforms the game. So it's just so efficient that I just think that, you know, banks are dead and they know that they're dead. And hence, they're trying to now adopt and take on custody solutions and things like that. So, yeah, that's that's kind of where I see it going. That was probably a bit a bit more ranty. Uh, it's very similar to me. So when you're talking about like the pandemic and everything, like my life stopped like everyone else's. I got put on furlough, so I I haven't been working for the last year. So, yeah, it's been difficult. But to fill my time, I've been using or I've been researching cryptocurrency. And going back to when you said, I will use Cardano as an example. 
what sold me on that was the fact that I could use the same currency as someone in Africa. I just didn't think of that before, but now when you do, it just makes so much more sense. Yeah, a global a global currency, and that's kind of what Bitcoin is as well. Is it's one currency. I kind of see it as the one currency that rules them all. <laughs> Whether that is going to be the case twenty years from now, who knows? But I do kind of think that is. Also, That's the, exactly what also it is. the speed of the transactions. Yeah, the transactions. Well. Are. I currently contract for a client in America, and to get the best exchange rate, I have to. I've got. I had to open up a US bank account and transfer. I get paid into that, and then have to transfer it to my business account. You know, and all these steps. You know, and just to try and avoid big fees and big exchange rates, and all. You know, that wouldn't be an issue if it was all done in um, a cryptocurrency. And p- picking up from that, then. Cryptocurrency is here. You're investing in it. You've read about it. But for some of the audience, it's not easy. It's still not easy to buy. So if, if we pick our sponsor, Zumo, so their app's really easy. It's just, it's, it's as, um, it's as good as uh, Coinbase in terms of usability. But still people have to feel they've got to go on there, put their credit card on, and then they've got to buy Bitcoin. And then from Bitcoin, if they want to buy Cardano, they've got to trade it. And that's not that's still not easy. I wonder what your thoughts on that were and where you think that will go. Yeah, I better take this one because um, I'm the one that buys them all. <laughs> and then, you know, gets them off the exchange and stores it. So, yeah, it's, it's not easy. It's not easy at all. I think one of the good things about Zumo is, like you say, it's just I've not actually used it, but I know that they charge a lot less than Coinbase for a transaction. So I would say that, Coinbase have probably got the easiest solution in terms of you can just, you know, send a direct transfer from your bank account and then buy some Bitcoin. If your bank allows it, my bank blocks Oh, well, that's a good point. Yeah, if your bank allows it. Sorry. But, you know, there's a whole host of exchanges out there. The thing with that is it's so easy, but they charge you about, I think it's a 2% fee, if I remember right, or maybe one and a half. If you want to get into some other currency that doesn't directly deal with your you know, the British pound or the dollar or whatever it is that you're using, then yeah, you're going to have to trade through another coin. So in the early days when I was buying ADA, Cardano's cryptocurrency, I was having to buy Ethereum first, which I did not like, and then transfer it over into ADA and then transfer it off into a wallet so that I could stake it. So that is to an older generation who maybe aren't as used to using technology like that. That is an absolute nightmare you know until someone delivers an app on a phone that just says send it to your other contact you know this is going to be really tough for people to to get into especially the older generation for the audience if i go online with my bank and digital banking and i want to send 10 pounds to kerry i've got kerry's sort code and bank account and i just send it or i've got our details stored and i send it but the bank are kind of there and if it does go awry or it does not work i can call somebody up the difference with cryptocurrency is kerry's got an address and i send from my wallet to her wallet the address in that and I've got to make sure I've copied and pasted it right. And if I don't do that, or if I've not scanned the QR code right, or if it's a digit out or something, then it goes somewhere else and we will never get it back. That's that's one of the yeah. scary things, I think, for the audience. <laughs> that's incredibly scary. So the best thing you can do is test it with a very, very small transaction first. Yeah. And some of the exchanges actually will save your address. 
so that once you've got it correct the first time, you can just select it from the drop down list and send it. So I, I quite like that about um, some of them. Um, but yeah, you're right. It means that you have to be much more aware of what you're doing. I would kind of argue that that's not a bad thing. But at the same time, like Kerry said, I can get lost in detail sometimes. So to me, that's that's fine. But yeah, it does kind of explain why it's not massively adopted yet. Because, you know, the, the internet was around for years before anyone really started using it. The only time they really started using it was when graphical user interfaces came along and made it easy. How do you feel, Jordan, about what Chris is talking about there, about moving money, not using a bank, and using, moving your own money via addresses? Well, for me, I'm used to it now, but at the start, it was so scary. I was moving small amounts. But yeah, it's I've seen since I've been in the crypto space that it's getting so much easier to move money. Because I remember three years ago, going on to an exchange and finding it really difficult. But now I go on and it's so much more user-friendly. So we talked about Zumo Wallet. It's it's just as easy as using your banking app now. But say a year ago, it was not like that. And that's the way I've seen it develop. So it will be so much easier in another year, another two years. I guess, I guess where it's going is you're going to have your wallet. You, ha- you have your cryptocurrency of your choice or, or several coins and you'll have pounds shillings and pence and you'll be able to and you'll have a credit card and you'll be able to make payments from it i guess i guess that's where zumo bottle pay and abra are going and that you won't need they don't want you to have a bank they want you to bank with them and everything will be there cryptocurrency and what we call regular currency or fiat currency how do you feel about all this kerry does it are you going to be happy with your with your credit card going in and buying something with Bitcoin, or have you thought about that? Yeah, I guess at the moment I don't want I wouldn't want to use my Bitcoin to buy anything. I would like to hopefully see it continue to sort of appreciate. So we sort of consider it as an asset at the moment. But I am all for advancements and and also to make it easier because it is embarrassing. Chris is the one who does the buying. I think I bought I did do one transaction on Bitcoin. But then when I tried to send some more money from my bank, it blocked it and I had to phone up and I didn't have, you know, I didn't have much mobile signal to phone them and I just didn't do it. So Chris has been doing all the transactions. So to make it more user friendly and easy, I think is a good thing because then it would open it up to more people as well. And interesting that you, the language you used there was you, you, you see it as an asset and I was brought up that gold was an asset or you get interest from the bank, but you're willing to put your hard-earned money now into something like Bitcoin or Cardano because you see that as an asset that could potentially appreciate and it's a piece of code. Yeah, that, that is, I think, one of the hardest things to get your head around. You can't physically hold it, you know. So it is, that is a difficult thing. And even um, today when we were talking about it, I think Chris absolutely sees it as an asset. I sometimes call it an investment because I think obviously there's still an element of risk as there is with any investment, as I call it. But I think at the moment we would call it an asset in terms of, you know, if we were looking at how we were doing, we would think the cryptocurrencies we have are an asset and hopefully they will continue to appreciate. And then that can, well, that can hopefully help us decide what our future holds or where it'll go. You know, do we have to keep working until we're in our 60s or could we maybe bring that in a bit? 100%. I think that's a big aim for a lot of people in the crypto space anyway, but well, certainly is for me. We talked about credit cards or debit cards, sorry, a little bit. 
And do you think in a couple of years time, say five years down the road, 10 years, do you think we'll go into just our local food shop and the prices will have your, say, pounds or dollars? Do you think we'll have another one underneath that will have like 0.0001 of a Bitcoin for a chocolate bar? In 10 years, probably not. But because I think it will still be kind of appreciated, to be honest, I think it'll still be appreciating in value. Again, it just comes down to the maths and the way that it is going to be, the, the amount in circulation will still be growing over time. But around about that sort of 2030, 2032 time, when that having takes place, it'll get so small at that point, so much of Bitcoin's 21 million will be in play that I think it will start slowing down until I think you get to maybe 20 odd years down the line when it's really, really stable. Would you then start seeing things, you know, denominated like that? Because I just don't think they've got paper long enough. You know, that's eight decimal places to put something on. And not only that, but people will, if Bitcoin goes where I think it's going to go, you'll be looking at it and thinking, I'm not paying point zero 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 one Bitcoin for a packet of crisps. Absolutely no chance. That's a ripoff. So I don't know. I think it's harder. I think another coin like Cardano or whatnot that's lower in value with more of them in play becomes more of a, a currency. Now, whether it is Cardano or not, I don't know. But I think a different currency that's got that utility side that's much, much quicker in one our transactions. And people would argue with me. People would say, well, the Lightning Network delivers that, the, the transaction speed and everything. But I still don't see me using Bitcoin to do any sort of transaction. So you've both bought into cryptocurrency. You understand it. How does that sit with your social circle and other people, whether it's friends or family? Can you have those discussions with them or do you still feel that you're having to educate them or push against a, a closed door? Well, my one of my close family members was actually in it a long time before we were, like years, years ago. I would say my parents, my dad was very sceptical, but I think he, in doing his own reading, I think he's coming round to it more. Uh, I'm not sure that he would necessarily invest, pro- probably mainly because he's not in charge of um, the budget. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't think he would be inclined to do any, you know, buy to buy any cryptocurrency. And then within my closest friend group, well, obviously Lucy Rose, you know, she's obviously involved in it. But then from speaking to some of my other close friends, two of them have have since invested, but not. Not on the back of me talking about it, more on the back of Chris talking about it. So I would say out of my closest friends, the majority of them are in it. One isn't at the moment, but I think it's because they're saving money for for houses and doing up houses. So that's a couple of my friends are in that situation. They need to divert their money to other assets, if you will. I'm not sure if it'll be a regret in years to come or you know, or not, but there it's not for them at the moment because they need to put their money elsewhere. So I think we've all been quite fortunate that we've been able to put some money into cryptocurrencies. And I think as well, with the pandemic, you have no social life. So you're not doing anything other than buying food. So sometimes you can, if you've been fortunate enough to keep working, you do maybe have a little bit extra in your monthly budget. You can put even just a small amount. And the good thing I think about the cryptocurrencies is that it's not like the stocks market where it's nine till five or whatever. You can buy it. Any time 
um, 24-7 and it can be as little um, or not you know as a share you have to buy a whole share whereas for the cryptocurrencies you can buy whatever decimal however many decimal points but you still feel you've got some so I think that's a really nice part of it yes I'd say most of my friends are in it in some way yeah but more like I say more in the back I was speaking to Chris because he explains it because he's retained all that detail he can answer all their questions much better than I could yeah and my side as well I've got a few friends where like I say I've got another passion is hydrogen sort of economy and things um, and so I've got friends that are in that in those as well and through me talking about you know bitcoin cryptocurrencies and things like that over the last few years they're also they've gone down a rabbit hole themselves and they are now invested in it I, th- I would say I've probably got I could probably count about 10 friends that are in but I think there's probably a lot more you know could be done like we should really be sharing the story a lot more that's kind of what I like you know I kind of like what you guys are doing here and that you're raising awareness because once people realize what it is I think it's inevitable that they will invest in it so yeah it, it just depends who you're with some people are in some people aren't but I know a, a good few that are and I think quite a few people are probably like us invested quite cautiously at first and then as they've seen, you know, the price change or they've read more and there's been more coverage or more exposure, they then put in a little bit more and maybe some of them continue to do so as their confidence has grown, which that I've seen that for quite a few people as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Guys, it's been absolutely amazing talking to you. An hour has gone by and I can see <laughs> yeah, I can see the passion that Chris has got and his mathematical brain has analysed it and now he's infected you with that. So thanks so much for coming on the Crypto Standard podcast and, and giving us your crypto and wine story. No, no problem. Thank you for having us. What an episode that was. Crypto and wine. If you're going to convince your partner to invest in cryptocurrency, that is the way to do it. Right, if you want to get in contact with us, either email us on hello at crypto-standards.co.uk or just drop us a message on social media. If you have any questions, whatever it is about cryptocurrency, please ask them away and we will try and answer them either by messaging you back or we will answer them on the podcast. Until next time, goodbye.